<laughs> Good morning and welcome to Pigeon Post. My name is Michael and yesterday we saw Nicodemus who basically we don't really know what happened to him at this point but it looks like he was on the fence um, possibly rejecting Jesus and the things that Jesus was saying. Um, but today, we're going to see that new birth that Jesus talked about to Nicodemus, that we failed to see happen in Nicodemus that we know about. We're going to see that happen right before our eyes as Jesus goes out of his way and does something socially unacceptable and talks to this Samaritan woman. So thank you for tuning in. And we are now going into John chapter 4. The Gospel of John, chapter 4. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and went away again into Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well, and drank of it himself, and his sons, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst, but the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to draw. He said to her, Go call your husband, and come here. The woman answered and said, 
I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have correctly said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. At this point, his disciples came, and they were amazed that he had been speaking with a woman. Yet no one said, What do you seek? Or, Why do you speak with her? So the woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men, Come see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? They went out of the city and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, No one brought him anything, did he? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say, There are yet four months, and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, that they are white for harvest. Already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for life eternal, so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this case the saying is true, One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. From that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, He told me all the things that I have done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of his word, and they were saying to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves, and know that this one is indeed the Savior of the world.
after the two days, he went forth from there into Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did in Jerusalem at the feast. For they themselves also went to the feast. So, John doesn't quite explicitly say it yet, but he's about to uh, in the coming chapters. It's pretty obvious that the Pharisees want to kill Jesus. And Jesus knows that it's not his time yet. So, he's trying to avoid being killed at this point. So, he takes a shortcut. And it says that he's weary from his traveling. They're thirsty. They're having to go get food in a place that they wouldn't normally stop. So I think it's pretty clear that they were taking that implicit threat seriously. Um, I think we can conclude that it didn't go very well with Nicodemus. Even though Nicodemus heard the gospel. And some of the things that Jesus said about being born again, about the spirit or the wind blowing where it wishes, um, this idea of being born of God, you would expect Nicodemus to fall on his knees and repent. But that's, that's not what we saw. So there's a lot of things happening here with Jesus talking to this Samaritan woman. Um, breaks all kinds of um, customs or social norms at the time. Um, you'll see Jesus in his relationships and relating to women um, treat them much better than the culture around them. And so he's not even really supposed to, supposed to, air quotes, talk to this woman. But he does. And he tells her about living water and says that if you knew who was talking to you, you would have asked him, oh, and, and the gift of God, you would have asked him for living water. So I think that's really important what Jesus says there as he's basically evangelizing this woman, sharing the good news with her. Um, he's being very relatable to their current situation. It seems like they're talking about water first. And he's being very sincere. He does need a drink. He's asking her for a drink of water, and he doesn't have anything to draw with. When he talks about himself, when he talks about how this woman's going to get living water, he says, if you knew who was speaking to you. So we need to know the identity of Christ. This is why John's writing the gospel. So Jesus is taking the same approach or same purpose that the author John is taking here. He is suggesting that this woman needs to know who he is. And then also she needs to know the gift of God. There, there's nothing that this woman had to do 
no religious acts. Um, there wasn't a church that she had to join. Um, there wasn't anything the woman had to do except for believe, right? To repent and believe. And we'll see that in scripture that repentance is tied to that idea of faith. So if you are believing, you're seeing Christ, you're coming to Christ. It's like doing a 180, you're turning away from your sin. So I don't want to pick apart the story. I think the story is very clear, as you just heard it read, that Jesus points out that this woman needs to repent of her sin. And he does it gently. He does it in a way that reveals that he is the Messiah. How would he know these things about her? And so Jesus, in a way that only he can do, um, leads this woman to faith by telling her who he is, what the gift of God is, and that repentance needs to happen. And those are three critical elements to preaching the gospel or sharing Christ with somebody or um, sharing the cure for the disease, right? That a person needs to know who Jesus is. A person needs to know what Jesus has done and how this is a gift. So if salvation is being presented not as a gift, um, then we have what we would call a false gospel. We have a gospel that can't save. When the disciples come back, Jesus uh, tells them that the fields are white for harvest. And he's basically telling us, go do it now. Go gather fruit for eternal life. Get the gospel out. Right? You must be born again. How are people going to be born again? By the sharing of who Christ is and what the gift of God is. What Christ has done for, for us. Um, I think this is a good point to, since we've analyzed, you know, what Jesus's gospel was all about, that it included repentance, that it was a gift of grace, and that it was wholly focused on Jesus and what he did. Um, let, let's think about two things real quick before we move on. Uh, the first thing I think that's worth thinking about is, what if Jesus hadn't talk to this woman. The woman would have been still in darkness. She wouldn't have had the light of life. She wouldn't have known the gift of God. She would have still been relying on her religious works or knowledge that she was trying to demonstrate for Jesus. And yet she still would have been trapped in her sin and not known how to get out. When, whenever we have an opportunity, or I'll put it personally, whenever I have an opportunity to share Christ with somebody, I often think of what will happen if I don't. If I don't share Christ with a person, that, and that person doesn't know Christ, what will happen? We'll think of John's themes of darkness, and how John mentioned that the wrath of God abides on somebody. So a lot of times when you mention hell, people are like, whoa, you know, you don't need to talk about that. Um, John hasn't mentioned hell yet. 
but he has mentioned the wrath of God. He has mentioned coming into judgment and condemnation. And he has mentioned darkness as being the place that we are at. Jesus said, you're not going to get into the kingdom if you're not born again. So if Jesus wouldn't have shared with this woman, she would have been trapped outside of the kingdom. It's a very cruel thing to have a cure and not share it with someone. If someone had a cure for cancer and they didn't share it, we would think that person would be the most evil person in the world. The other effect is that there's a chain reaction. The woman goes out and she begins to harvest. She begins to tell people about Jesus. It's not only the person that you're sharing with that's affected. If that person comes to Christ, we see in the Bible whole households come to Christ. Um, whole cities being affected by this many people turning based on the testimony or effect of one person. So that's one thing. And the other thing is, it just breaks my heart to hear and see false gospels being adopted um, many times by Christians. Jesus did not build this woman up in her self-confidence. He didn't ignore talking about her sin. He didn't ignore talking about God, thinking that, oh, I'll talk about God later because I can't talk about God in the first conversation with this person. Uh, Jesus didn't try to get her to do religious works, you know, by fasting or joining um, a particular church or um, he didn't even baptize her. Um, please think about these things um, because honestly there's so many ways that, just to get off the text for a second, which I try not to do, but there's, it just breaks my heart, there's so many ways that I believe that the devil is trying to influence the way that Christians view the gospel and those issues around them. So I think, I think it's legitimate to consider that when you see the way Jesus shares the gospel and the way that he tries to help people. Um, he, he doesn't really do it the way that we do it on many even Christian um, bookshelves and with so-called Christian uh, television and stuff like that. So um, please consider that. And uh, I just think this is a great story. And I hope that um, you really enjoyed it and relate to it. This woman just got born again right before our eyes. So um, here comes the second part of John 4. The Gospel of John, Chapter 4 continued. Therefore he came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a royal official whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and was imploring him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. 
So Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. The royal official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go, your son lives. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and started off. As he was now going down, his slaves met him, saying that his son was living. So he inquired of them the hour when he began to get better. Then they said to him, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at that hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed, and his whole household. This is again a second sign that Jesus performed when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. Okay, so chapter 4 ends with this beautiful bookend, so to speak. Jesus is back in Cana, and if that rings a bell, that's because Cana is where the wedding took place when Jesus turned the water into wine. So this says that this is his second sign that he did at Cana. And I just think it's a beautiful picture that he starts by making wine at a wedding, and then he ends... Um, back in Cana, this little section, he ends this section by healing an official's son. So you have him going to people who were running out of wine because they didn't have, presumably didn't have enough money. And he graciously provides the wine for the celebration. And then you have an official who did probably have money, but he couldn't buy his son's health. And Jesus, by grace, um, heals this son uh, for this official. So I think it really just shows the graciousness of Christ. It shows his power and his grace. Now, these signs specifically show his power over nature, which we haven't talked about very much. But since John says that all things were made through him, so he is the creator He is the way that God created things. He is the Word of God. All things were made by the Word of God. And we hear in other scriptures that in Christ all things hold together. He's holding the universe together. Excuse me. So he's really showing his power as the Son of God, as the creator of all things, to make things, heal people, and essentially do whatever miracle that he wants to do or that um, the Father has for him to do. Um, So I think those are really cool miracles of grace. And um, I wouldn't try to overread analogies um, into those too much, but that's just me. Um, One thing that's really cool that I wanted to underline was from the previous section as we end chapter four, and we look for like a point of application And um, that part where the Samaritans say, we have heard for ourselves, and we know that Jesus is the Savior of the world. 
this is why John's writing, and I hope that you are hearing for yourself that Jesus is the Savior of the world, and that that becomes more personal. You notice John is giving us more of these personal encounters um, in this section with Nicodemus and with the Samaritan woman and with the official whose whole house believed. So my prayer is that me and my family and friends, whoever's listening to this, for all of us, that we would hear for ourselves that Jesus is the Savior of the world. And um, so, yeah. I think, I think that pretty much covers chapter four. We will see you tomorrow for chapter five. Bye-bye.